It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Postcast tonight is the Utah Jazz fall to the Minnesota Timberwolves. David Locke along with Ron Boone. For those of you live on Facebook on the Utah Jazz account, we'll be taking your questions uh, and get your thoughts. But tonight, interesting night, great fight at the end by a bunch of guys and hit some shots. But really, Ron, the offense just, just came to a halt again tonight. And, you know, it's just hard. And Minnesota had a plan, and it worked. And we can kind of dig into some of the X's and O's of what happened tonight, but a lot of them had to stem to that this team, I don't know, doesn't have enough playmakers or doesn't have enough ways maybe to overcome some of its own weaknesses might be the way to say it. That's a great way of putting it as far as our offense is concerned. is just um, a bailout guy or, or, or two, you know, the Jazz just don't have right now. I thought the, the – the um, the game plan was good for the Jazz. Uh, they just didn't have the offense to, uh, to to get it done. One thing that I want to point out is that you know th- that first half it was the center position that really got the job done for uh, for the uh, for the Wolves. You know nine points I think because Gibson went to the center spot. Tom's had a very good ball game. The game plan on him was that he's he's uh, he's running the pick and roll and rolling to the basket a lot more than he did last year. We didn't see that that much this, tonight. We saw him pick and pop, and knocking down long-range shots. Jazz fall 109-98 to Minnesota. By the end of the night, the Jazz shooting numbers are okay because they had a very good fourth quarter where they hit 12 of 20 and they hit 7 of 12 from 3. Prior to that, they were 7 of 28 from 3. The 43-point attempts by the Jazz tonight are the most they've ever taken in a regular season uh, non-overtime game uh, in franchise history. So I'm going to break down this a little bit just to try to understand what went wrong with the offense. So Rubio's coming off a pick with Derek Favors. Or actually, let's say that you're not using Rubio. Say you're using Rodney Hood because this is what we saw a lot. Rodney Hood comes off a pick with Derek Favors. Favors rolls to the basket. They're not guarding Rubio. Really, Minnesota was as kind of obviously not guarding Rubio as anyone has all year. That means that their guy who's supposed to be guarding Rubio is now in Favors' lap, eliminating the pass. They're also switching it. Yes. So now you have Rubio. Rodney doesn't have any advantage because they switched it. He's now being guarded by Taj Gibson. Now Rodney is kind of forced now to go one-on-one on on Gibson. That's not really Rodney's strength. Rodney's strength is actually a pretty good pick-and-roll player. Comes off the pick with an advantage, gets you in the paint, hits that little floater. He's a good catch-and-shoot guy. He's not a great off-the-bounce three-point shooter. But he's not somebody who's got elite athleticism where he just beats somebody one-on-one. Donovan's our one guy. They can kind of do that. And so what we saw happen in this game is you're running Ruby out the pick and roll. They're going under and they're taking away favors and they're holding to the shooters. Then the Jazz swing it around out of that. Rubio's left wide open for a three and he can't hit it. He goes, oh, he's, I think, one of his last 24 now. He went 0 for, 5, 0 for 6 tonight. It was actually hard to watch. And it doesn't seem to me that there's a lot of like, I don't know what the answer to that is. I mean, it was a really good game plan from one of the better defensive coaches in the league. And to my point, sorry, I'm kind of babbling, but to my point is, so the weakness is that Rubio does a lot of things well, but he doesn't shoot well. Rodney does a lot of things well, but he doesn't really beat you one-on-one well. Right? Like, Favors does a lot of things well, but he doesn't stretch out. So the way you'd really beat that is have your big pop out, but that's not something Favors can do. Like, it just was one of those nights where the weaknesses just all got exemplified or intensified a little bit. They were definitely exploited. Um 
our offense right now is without shooters, without scorers, without a playmaker. Rubio's not getting it done. Uh, and, and without a, a on-ball, a player that can play with the ball in his hands. And as you mentioned, Donovan Mitchell is the only player on this team that can break the team down or break the, and get to the basket. And we saw him do that a number of times here, here, here tonight. But I don't know what we do. I mean, we're going to have nights when uh, we'll shoot the basketball exceptionally well. But then we're going to have – I'm just worried about having the nights that we have had tonight too many times. You know, so and then the other what, do, si- what do you do? The other side of this, by the way, was uh, no Rudy Gobert. And we saw in the first quarter, Carl Anthony Towns had nine points. Taj Gibson had nine points. And they just went to the bat. I mean, they, they did – Thurl Bailey came on our broadcast and said, hey, if you were the other team and they were missing the best rim protector in the NBA, where would you go? And it's like to the rim. And they – you know, that's something that, you know, we definitely saw the lack of having having Rudy out there tonight. Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, Derek did a great job. I mean, he rebounded. I thought he really hustled He, he re- played very, very hard in there with 10 rebounds, five of those coming on the offensive glass. He rid a battle, but he was the only one down here at, among those guys that was trying or had the ability anyway to you know, to fight for the rebounds and try to protect the basket there as well. The really exciting one is Donovan Mitchell's evolution of his game as the season goes on, he's 10 of 19 today, 24 points. He scored 20 or more in five of the last nine games. But more importantly to me, Ron, the number one sign and the most difficult thing for rookies to do is to, there's two things that are hard. Above the break threes, because it's a longer shot. Three things. Above the break threes, off the bounce threes, because it's a longer shot. I don't think he has that one down yet. And rim finishing. And he started the night, the year 6 of 17 on rim finishing and he's now finishing at about 60 65%, which is a really high rate for a guard. Yeah. And it's incredible to watch him evolve and learn how to play this game. And two things here. One is that he is now getting national attention because of the way he's playing. The other thing is that you were strictly talking about the offense. One of the hardest things for players, young players coming to the league is on the defensive side of the ball and knowing how to play at this level. Now, you can see that his offseason workouts – He's been playing with guys with lots of experience because he's, he's picked up on things right now. What are we, 13 games into the season? He's doing some things out there on the floor now that you, that you see James Harden do. I mean, it, it, maybe he's watching film and, he, and, and watching guys on TV, and he's picking up on those things. But immediately he's, he's that's in 13 games into the season, look what he's done to his game. It's really remarkable. All right, let's run through some questions. I really like this one that came in. I just got to get rid of the thing in front of it. All right, I can't get rid of the thing in front of it because it's somebody just – so let's see. Would – this is from Grant. Would Rubio be better with a fast-paced offense where teams won't have time to slack off Rubio? Does this offense not work for Rubio? Uh, I get the feeling uh, yes because I thought that at the beginning of the year that's the, this is the pace that the Jazz wanted to play. They wanted to push the ball up the floor. Uh, play up tempo, uh, take early shots, but if you don't have players that can knock those shots down right now, I mean, it, it's not only is it hurting the team, but it's going to hurt Rubio there as well. Bunch of people are wondering whether it's time to start Donovan instead of Rubio. We're 13 games in. Um, boy, that's a good question. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if if does it make a difference if he starts and plays five minutes and brings Donovan in. 
Donovan played how many minutes tonight? Did Donovan, Donovan played play? 34. Rubio 30, played 22. 22. So it, it really doesn't matter starting, and, and I think Rodney Hood has embraced it there as well. He ended up tonight getting. Right, you may screw up Rodney. Like if you try to do that, you yeah. bring right. I mean, there's so at some point, you know. So you're, you're, at some point, you also you got to keep a guy with you. Like let's not yeah. let's not humiliate him. Yeah. He's clearly struggling. I the, the disappointing thing for Rubio is it seems as though the poor shooting, which is bad is now impacting other parts of his game. He had two really bad plays in transition tonight that those don't seem uh, those don't seem to be characteristic plays for him. Other parts of his game and, uh, and, and other players on his teammates there as well. I mean, there was you know, a play in the game that I said has to be... not supposed to do this. Huh? No, maybe tonight with my face you should. Uh, I, I said on night that I thought there was a really deflating play where... Donovan drove the lane, got three guys in the paint, kicked up to Rubio. He's wide open. He misses the three. And those are just the kind of plays where you've executed right and it doesn't work. Um, Well, David, you can definitely see the confidence level of of Rubio in the first five ball games of the year and and now the last last eight. It just hasn't been there. Interesting question from Adrian Miner. Should we be worried that Gobert injured his knee in the same fashion six months apart? They really were actually different. One was a side swipe in, and the other was a direct knee-to-knee contact. So it's a great question, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's accurate. Well, if it's the same knee, it could be. And I don't know if it's the same knee. If that was his... Yeah, but, I mean, it's not like he didn't have a contact. I mean, I thought he was done for far longer than a month. I'll tell you what, David, I, I watched it there, and I, he thought it was worse than it was there as well. He was really worried. But I thought, and, and especially the way he came back out and played, I thought when he hit, he kind of got off of it. Uh, if he would have kept his foot planted on the floor, it could have been worse than what, what, what it is now. But I thought he got off of it enough to the point where you know, it was going to be a mild sprain or something. But not the case. Aaron uh, Casero says the reality of Gordon leaving is now being felt. And I do think that that's a fair point in the sense that Rubio was signed before Gordon left. The vision was Rubio playing with a team with offensive players like Hayward, like Hood, with Mitchell in that group, and being able to stretch the floor with a Joe Johnson, with a speed player like Dante Exum as another option, and and someone to run with him. And, And those the scenario by which the Jazz traded for Ricky Rubio is not the scenario in which he's playing in right now. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and I think that should be definitely be point, pointed out. I mean, he should not be the second leading field goal attempt player on, on this on this team. And boy, that was a great tweet that was put out there by the by the radio announcer of the of the Minnesota. It was the radio TV? Radio was Alan Horton yeah, uh, at Wolves Radio. Yeah, so that was a great tweet. That wraps us up. Jazz fall tonight to Minnesota. We'll be in New York City for Facebook on the floor at Madison Square Garden, as well as Facebook Live after the ballgames. We'll be in then Brooklyn and then Orlando and then Philadelphia. So we look forward to bringing you all that coverage. We'll be in the middle of your workday. So make sure you join us for on the floor an hour before the game or on the court, I think, whatever it's called, on the floor. An hour before the game, then we'll be right with you afterwards for postcast as well. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you'd like to, if you missed the game and want to hear the broadcast, which included all sorts of fun with Tony Parks and Kristen Kenny, you can do that at the Utah Jazz Radio Podcast. Have a great time. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe, Dame Lillard, and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko. Rejecting the screen hits your feed every Tuesday and Thursday. On Tuesday, We talk hoops and a little bit of life. On Thursday, we go ISO with a guest. Stories from anyone and everyone who has touched the NBA with tales we promise you've never heard before. Find Rejecting the Screen right now wherever you get podcasts and hit that subscribe button.